the tractor. It's really the cornerstone of farming. But what has really changed in the last 40 years? If you look at a small tractor today, and if you look at a small tractor from 50 years ago, you'd be hard pressed to tell me what it does better. Our technology, again, acts as a bridge between farm economics and sustainability. And to be honest, just the diesel savings is not a compelling value proposition for farmers. So that's where the diesel savings plus labor savings plays in. So our tractor is a solution for that, and we are hoping that our tractor will bridge that gap. In today's episode, we sit down with a founder who is reimagining what a tractor can be, all electric, autonomous, and able to match the performance of traditional options. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Our last tech episode, we featured Gus, a fully autonomous sprayer. Today, we feature another innovation in farm machinery, but this time it's the fully electric Monarch tractor. I'm excited to learn more about this technology, and I'm excited to be joined by our regular co-host and chair of the Tech and Innovation Committee, Mr. Rod Cook. Hello, Rod. Hi, Casey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am really excited about this episode. I'm also really excited about getting geared up for this big event next week in Salem, Oregon, which is our Innovate 2021, the Tech Symposium and Fall Meetings. And I know this is going to ladder really nicely here into what that week is going to be about. But what was it that you thought would be a good to share right before we all get together virtually and in person? It's funny how things change. That first symposium a couple of years ago, we really had to dig to come up with a full agenda. And it's just, you know, a testament to how much ag tech has come along, how much our industry has changed. You know, this time we simply don't have enough time to get all of the topics in front of growers. And as a result, you know, you and the staff have come up with this great idea to add the tech tour, give us a little more time and and hopefully see some things in the field. So we're hoping uh, those that can be with us live uh, is going to be great. We're also taping some of that stuff as well. So that's really cool. Specifically today, though, we have brought in one of the uh, companies that will be on that tech tour, as you said, Monarch Tractor. And with us today is Praveen Pimenta, the CEO of Monarch. While the blueberry industry isn't as tractor-centric as some, we still need to find those ways to improve our efficiencies, uh, reduce our costs, and sustainability. You know, uh, it used to be sort of a catchphrase and we'd all roll our eyes. You know, it's really becoming critically important and really part of our business as we move forward, as well as that carbon footprint and discussions of that. So Monarch, uh, they are electric tractor company, as you said, their goal is to provide us some of that power that we need. And I believe the ability to use growers current implements as well. But 
it comes in that lower cost fuel, reduced carbon footprint, all of these things. And I think it can be both autonomous and driven like a regular tractor. Well, I am looking forward to this. And if vehicles are any indication, it looks like the electric is the future as we kind of see what's unfolding on the road every day right now. I know Hopville Farms in Oregon is also a part of Monarch's early release, and he'll be showcasing his experience. So, you know, the first day of the tech symposium is us in more of a classroom style, telling people about all these different technologies. And then what's neat is instead of a show and tell, it's a tell and show. And so it's going to be a really nice one-two punch. Yeah, Jim Hoffman uh, from Hopville will be there. So we're really excited to do that. And we thought it'd be really appropriate uh, because it is sort of that tell and then show we thought we would kick the thing off and give a little plug for the program by having Praveen and, and Monarch be uh, with us today. I've given our listeners a little bit of a tease about Monarch Tractor, but Praveen, perhaps you could give us a little bit more introduction to yourself and to your company. Thanks, Rod, and thanks, Casey, for having me on the show. Again, I'm Praveen Penmetza, the CEO of Monarch Tractor. Uh, I like to joke that long, long, long time ago, I was an engineer. <laughs> But even before that, the first vehicle that I ever drove was a tractor. I come from a long lineage of rice farmers. My father was the first one to move away from the farm to the city. But he was still operating the rice farm. We still have our ancestral land. And I was the first one to completely decouple from it. So for me, Monarch Tractor has been a full circle coming back to farming through technology. It's been an interesting journey on that side. Spent a lot of time on automotive, spent a lot of time in aerospace and robotics, and really started getting into agriculture in the 2015 timeframe when farmers started approaching us. And I also started to realize that, you know, farmers globally were facing the same challenges, right? How do we feed a growing population when farmers don't have the latest and greatest tools, when they are not supported by all the, whether it's the federal agencies, state agencies, or the technologies, so I started to get involved in developing farming technologies for farmers, uh, but then realized that the best way to have an impact is to you know, add that technology to the most common tool that you find on a farm, the tractor. So that led to Monarch Tractor, thanks to my co-founders, you know, Carlo Mondavi, who's a thought leader on regenerative farming, Mark Schwager, you know, led manufacturing at Tesla for the longest time and Zachary Omohundro, who comes from the robotics world. So the four of us started Monarch Tractor. So that's a little bit of my journey, Rod. Fantastic. You know, that tractor landscape is so dominated by, you know, a few really large global companies. There are a number of uh, new tractor companies coming out, I think, now, and we're seeing some of this work in autonomy and things like that. You've given us a little bit of an insight into the decision to go to tractors, but were there any really specific driving points that said, hey, okay, this is it. We're going to go here. Yeah, there were a number of them. And our focus was definitely on the fruits and vegetables market, which we felt was being you know, short shifted by some of the big players that you're talking about. Right. When you go and talk to them, they're always very proud of their large machines. They're very proud of the corn and soy markets because that's where the volume is. That's where the margins are. But we feel like, you know, if you and I talk to somebody at a dinner, we're talking about our food on the table and it's all fruits and vegetables primarily. And that's a global market and very often smaller farms with much tighter financials and facing much more challenges. So our focus was very much on the smaller tractors that you find on every farm on the planet. 
So that's why we went with like a 40 horsepower tractor and focused on fruits and vegetables. But the interesting thing also, Rod, is that's also where, you know, the number of tractors sold is very high. Like one and a half million of these are sold every year. And it's the fastest growing tractor segment on the planet. Not too many people know that it's the small tractors that are continuing to increase at the fastest pace. And more than that, the small tractors are also where the technology gap was the widest. If you look at a small tractor today, and if you look at a small tractor from 50 years ago, you'd be hard pressed to tell me what it does better. So our focus was, okay, let's go for that market because that's how we can have the, the best impact. Also, that's a market that's being ignored, which means that's where we can make a difference on the technology side. And fruits and vegetables, we felt, was also where if we allow the farmer to tell their story to the end consumer, you can allow the farmer to make a lot more money. If you can tell me how your story of uh, your blueberry farm, as a consumer, I'm willing to pay a lot more for blueberries than for my rice or cotton. So we believe that our tractor can play a role in allowing farmers to tell their stories directly to the consumer versus having all these people in between tell that story for them. So that's how we focused on the small tractor. That's why we're in the fruits and vegetables. And that's why it's a 40 horsepower tractor. Let's dig in a little bit there, Praveen, because the focus then becomes fruits and vegetables. Well, let's, let's talk specifically, like when did blueberries pop up on your radar and that particular fruit? Is there something specifically that attracted you to blueberries? What drew you into the relationship you're having now? Yeah, one of the early trends that we started seeing like 2016, 2017, Casey, was you know the shift towards organic on the consumer side, right? So you started seeing more and more organic produce and you also started to see a price delta on that produce. So when we started, we were like, hey, you know, where can we make the maximum difference for the farmer if we apply sustainable technologies so that the farmer can realize that economic value? So then we quickly like started to converge on the fruits market from the vegetable side, right? And inside of the fruits, again, there's, there's a few fruits that you can really maximize the economic potential for the farmer. The blueberry story is a strong one. The grape story is a strong one. So we ended up with grapes, uh, especially wine grapes, as our first go-to market. And you know, a lot of technologies actually go to the wine grapes market initially and then flow Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this story before, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> going. So we're not unique in that sense, right? The advantage with that market is, you know, they're definitely more consumer facing. They're also great at telling their story to the end consumer and extracting that value for the farmer, right? You know, I've not seen anybody who's better than that from a marketing standpoint. But they're also very open to using technologies because the economics support it. And they're also care about the sustainability side because they have the luxury of the economic side supporting it. So we felt like, okay, let's go to the grapes market first. And while we were in the grapes market, we saw this interesting trend, Casey. A number of blueberry farmers started approaching us, Jim Hoffman being one of the first ones too. He said, hey guys, all right, why aren't you guys looking at blueberries? And we were like, yeah, it's on our roadmap, but you know, We'll get to it uh, over a period of time. We're going to focus on the grape side. But then started to realize, you know, as we talked to more and more blueberry farmers on how much of the wine grape industry technology ports over to the blueberry side, almost as is, right? So those conversations started to change our focus to the blueberry side. So then we said, hey, let's go find out how they're on operations. Let's go look at their economics. Let's go look at what we can do. And once we started looking at it, 
and understood the amount of mowing that you have to do if you walk away from pesticides, right? Also, some of the operational things were very similar with some of the weed mats that you guys use versus some of the under the wine weeders that people were moving to versus chemical sprays. There's a lot of parallels. And that's why we were like, hey, let's look at the blueberry market. And again, most of that was demand-driven, right? Farmers approached us and said, hey, you know, we could use your tractor. So that's how we started looking at blueberries as a core market. So right now, it's one of our three main focus areas, by the way. Uh, Casey and Rod is, you know, grapes, blueberries, and we're looking at, you know, apples and citrus as the third one. Well, we're glad you're here on the business of blueberries. You found a great place in a conversation I know we have been having under Rod's leadership as our committee chair. And I'm excited to dig into some more here about exactly what else you feel could help our blueberry growers. But before we dive deeper, let's take a quick break for our crop report. We're wrapping things up in North America and really going into South America. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets in important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear only one report, Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. Good morning, everybody. This is Luis with the crop report from Peru up until week 37, which is the week ending on September 19th. So up until week 37 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 145 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this volume, 54% has been shipped to the U.S., 26% to Europe, 17% to China, and 3% to other destinations. During week 37, a total of 25.4 million pounds were shipped, representing the highest weekly volume shipped so far this season. 57% of this volume was shipped to the US uh, with 14.3 million pounds, expected to arrive the US market by mid-October. Our latest forecast for the season, uh, we're expecting to grow by 36% in our shipments compared to the previous season. We're expecting to grow by 36% in our shipments to the US, by 16% in our shipments to Europe, and by 125% in our shipments to China. Also, we're expecting that from the overall volume shipped, 9% is going to be of uh, organic uh, blueberries. And finally, during the last week, Peru was granted access to start exporting fresh blueberries to two new markets, which are India and Malaysia. So that's a report from Peru. Thank you. Well, I want to sincerely thank all of our growers who took the time during their busiest months of the year to provide these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made a snapshot view of the USDA data on production and price, an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Uh, but let's get back to our conversation with Praveen at Monarch. I know one of the first questions that come to mind to many of our listeners is going to be about price. So how does the pricing of a machine like this compare to the tractors that they'd otherwise be considering? Yeah. And that's actually was one of the first things that we asked ourselves when we started the company, Casey, was we very quickly said that our focus 
was to make sure that our technology was accessible. So that's why we, you know, kind of circled in on the compact tractor. It's also why our tractor is useful across a number of different crops, which allows us to get the price down. So the price of our tractor is $58,000. And for that price, you get a fully electric tractor that has no compromises on the performance side. Your existing people can use it. Your existing implements uh, will work as is. You can basically take, uh, implement it, attach it to our tractor just like you would to another 40 horsepower tractor. So we have taken all this latest and greatest technology and we have kind of encapsulated in such a way that it's very useful with the lowest effort for the farmers. Fantastic. So, you know, being electric, I think after pricing, probably the next big question for almost any grower is, okay, that's great. Price point, competitive. I'm going to go out, get on the tractor. How long can I go with the, with the electric tractor? And what are the options? Do I have to come back in, plug it in? Yeah, swappable batteries. How's that all work? Yeah, and that's the other part of it, right, is this is not like your car where you just, you know, drive it for a half hour, an hour in the morning and another half hour, hour. These are like full day usage devices, right? So our tractor was designed from day one to provide a full day of operations for most of the operations. So, for example, if you're doing mowing or any of those kind of operations, it'll last a full day on a charge. So you can run a mower on our tractor in the blueberry farm all day without having to recharge. So that's a full nine-hour shift that we are running here. We have also done some comparisons with diesel tractors where not only do you get to use it all day, you get to have significant savings on the diesel fuel for that whole day of operations as well. If you're using much more intense operations, right, if you're doing like heavy uh, land tilling or those kind of operations, even then our tractor is designed to work for like uh, half a shift to the lunch break, basically. And then we have a swappable battery that you can swap out. To charge our tractor also, you don't require any special pieces of equipment. We have designed our tractor to where if you have a welder or a high voltage air compressor in your barn, you can just plug our charger in there. And our charger is very similar, uh, basically the same as uh, what electric cars use today. So you can buy a charger on Amazon, plug it into your plug, plug the other side to our tractor, and it'll charge back up in five hours. We understand that not all farmers have very high power lines everywhere. We understand that you know, they're limited on the infrastructure side. So whether it's data, whether it's connectivity, whether it's electric power, we have kind of taken all those into account when we designed our tractor. We have a three-point hitch. We have a full hydraulic connections. So you can only for hydraulic implements on it. A common misconception that I hear is when we talk to people and they hear that it's an electric tractor, they're like, oh, so uh, you know, I need to buy an electric implement, right? Because I can't use my hydraulics. And I'm like, no, 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 hang on, right? It's exactly like your existing tractor. We have hydraulic connections in the back. You can use your hydraulic implements. We have a full 540 RPM PTO at the back. We have hitches. So from the back of a tractor rod, if you look at our tractor, you cannot tell our tractor apart from a normal 40 horsepower tractor. You'll notice some extra plugs, but that's about it. Now, I saw one of the comments I went through. You've got a really nice website, by the way. I want to thank you for that because you've got a lot of grower comments that are uh, logged in there as well. And one of the comments was a person using the tractor as a generator as well. I know some of our growers do, in fact, use electronic pruners or have historically. You can plug things like that in as well, though, right? Yeah. And that's the great part about having an electric tractor is 
yes, we can do everything your tractor does, but we can do more. We can power your implements. We can provide a power just like a generator does. So you actually have like plugs on our tractor, like a 110 plug and a 220 volt plug as well that you can plug stuff into. And you can run high power lights. You can run electric implements. Again, these are the kind of things that now the industry is starting to come across, right? The new uh, Ford pickup truck has a similar feature that came out this year. So we are we are taking advantage of what electric can do, and we can do more for the farmer. As I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but the tractor can be operated autonomously as well as driven. So you, you don't need any special training if you just want to hop on and drive a tractor, uh, but you can you can kick it into an autonomous mode? Exactly. The other big core belief at Monarch Tractor is how can we elevate the tractor drivers? The most dangerous place on the farm is the tractor seat, right? You're exposed to not just the dangers of running heavy equipment, but also the dangers of exposure to things like chemicals, the harsh elements. And let's face it, right? A lot of our operations usually happen at night for a variety of reasons. Most of these jobs are dull, dirty, dangerous, which is why we struggle to find tractor drivers. And even if they come in and they train, they move on to other industries like construction. So our whole philosophy here is how can we elevate that tractor driver, again, using technology. So yes, your tractor driver can jump onto our tractor, drive it as is. It's easier to drive. It's got more safety features than an existing tractor, thanks to all the electronics. It's a lot of stuff that we're using technology to make it safer. Number one. Number two is we want to have that person be able to jump off the seat and manage a fleet of tractors. What I mean by that is he should be able to keep an eye on like, you know, five plus tractors at a time where, yes, all kinds of crazy things happen on the farm. So don't get me wrong. You know, it's not a thing where you hit a button and uh, kick back. You can kind of keep an eye on five tractors, make sure the operations are happening, make sure the implements are attached, make sure you're refilling your sprayers. Do all of that back at the barn and keep an eye on fire tractors, right? So we have kind of moved you away from being in the danger zone to being in a much more comfortable zone, but still managing the fleet. So the driver now becomes a fleet operator. So the advantage to our approach is you don't need to hire a guy, you know, who's great at running a joystick. You don't need to hire a guy with a science degree or an engineering degree or a fleet manager that, you know, needs more technical expertise and you now need to pay a lot more. You can talk to your existing tractor driver and say, just drive the tractor, train it once, come back, right? Start the operation, do the same thing on this other tractor, do it five times and keep an eye on your phone, keep an eye on the screen. And we've used technology to make it very simple. 25 years ago, if you told me that somebody in sixth grade could write code and deploy an iPhone app, right? People would have laughed at you. They would have said, oh, you need a computer science degree for that. Technology makes that possible. So why can't we use technology to elevate tractor drivers to just managing five plus tractors and get them off the tractor seat? We can. And that's what we have done with very easy to use software. Touch buttons in all languages. You can just touch the button, start the tractor, or you can just drive it, train it, get off, and we'll repeat not just what the driver did, but also the implement settings and all of that. That's cool. I mean, that's what I was going to ask is what is that training period or otherwise, how are you mapping and I think you kind of said that you'd literally teach it one time and let it go. Because again, right, in blueberries and in vineyards, there's a lot of things on that farm that are really unique. So, for example, in one corner, right, it might be a little rocky. You better adjust your mower before you run over that. 
the farmer knows that the tractor driver knows that a new robotic machine that shows up on the farm that day is not going to know that don't tell me that that controller knows that that day right i'm not going to believe that neither does the farmer but if you drive it once and you say hey i'm going to like adjust the mower settings here because i've done this like for the last 5 years our tractor remembers that and the next time you say go mow we'll follow that operation so the farmer can do the operations the way they want to in full control right and that's important All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. It's coming. Yes, it is. A day to be celebrated. What is it? This Sunday, September 26th is, you guessed it, National Pancake Day. There's no denying that when consumers think pancakes, they often think blueberries. That's why National Pancake Day is the perfect opportunity to promote adding a boost of blue to everyone's favorite stack. From putting blueberries in the batter to sprinkling on top or adding them to the syrup, they're the perfect addition to any breakfast. You can celebrate the day with your customers and consumers by sharing our Pancake Day social graphic across your channels. It's a fun video graphic showing a stack of blueberry pancakes growing right before your eyes. While these moments of time, like National Pancake Day, might seem small, they are a great opportunity to spotlight blueberries and keep people thinking about the best berry. Just go to ushbc.org slash boost toolkit and click on the social media content button to find this ready-to-use ad graphic to share on your social channels and get people buzzing about blueberries. If you share, be sure to tag at blueberries and include hashtag boost of blue in your caption so we see it and can highlight you as an industry champion. While you're in the toolkit, take a look around at all of the tools and resources available right at your fingertips. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Rod and Praveen from Marnock Tracker. I assume like most technology, especially autonomous, you're not only recognizing this stuff, but there's data banks that you you hold that in. Are you working with other tech vendors then to utilize some of the data that you collect as you go through the field to look at irrigation management or canopy development, things like that? Yeah, long term, that is the, the view, Rod. But again, right, uh, one thing that we are again clear on is farmer first. What that means is whatever we do has to be approved by the farmer and has to be for the benefit of the farmer. We cannot collect data and then use that against the farmer, right? So we have to be very careful in those situations. So the farmer has the right to the data that we collect. If the farmer is not happy with it, they can delete all of that data and it's up to them. But what we want to do is we are working with implement companies to encourage the farmer to share the data with not just us, but also the implement companies. It's a sprayer or a mower company where now the sprayer or mower company can now provide incentives to the farmer and say, hey, if you share the data with us, we'll tell you, you know, how the settings on your implement, right? We'll give you free parts. We'll advise you when there's new parts coming up or when service warranties are coming up, et cetera. So we want to do those kind of things from an incentive standpoint. Long-term, yes, the data can also be used for alerts, for uh, yield estimates and things like that, but that's definitely a part of our longer-term vision. Right now, what we are encouraging farmers is it's an electric tractor, start using it, replace your tractor, use the driver optional feature, save money on labor. That's huge savings, $20 an hour. 
at a time when wages are going up. So get those two going. The data is the icing on the cake. While we're doing that operation, if you see something, we'll give you an alert. And longer term, we can start to think about other features. Hey, when I first bought my iPhone, right, I was like, there's no way I'm going to spend a dollar on this. So I held out for three years using it just as a phone and only with free apps, right? <laughs> now I see the value. And yes, I do give a little bit of money out for some apps and stuff. But there was enough value on the phone side to do that. Similarly, with our tractor too, we hope farmers will buy it for what it is initially, save money on it. The data side is over a period of time, right? If they see value, it's up to them to start to see it. But yes, we'll continue to work with implement companies and data companies to make sure that uh, the farmers have the option to use the data. Interesting. Well, and you know, one of the things with technology that it not only has to work and work at least equally well with whatever they're using now, but most people need to have that encouragement of that extra value. And it, it sounds like, you know, you've really looked at that in a pretty hard way to try and bring some additional values, whether it's, you know, uh, savings on fuel or labor and so on. In fact, I, I think one of the um, videos you had, one of the grape growers was talking about his savings over diesel over a given harvest year. Can you kind of go through that? Now, that I believe that was a, a vineyard operation. Yeah. Exactly. And the savings are going to differ based on how the farmers use it, Rod. But going back to your first point, right, our technology, again, acts as a bridge between farm economics and sustainability. Farmers should not have to make a choice between those two, right? They should get the benefit of both. So how do we do that is by providing exceptional value, right? We actually did an electric tractor back in 2015 at my previous company. Farmers found it interesting. Some farmers said they would buy it, but there was not an exceptional value for the farmer, right? It was just the diesel savings. And to be honest, just the diesel savings is not a compelling value proposition for farmers. It's not enough uh, where you're looking for like 18 months. The, the capital that the farmers have is so limited. It's not enough. So that's where the diesel savings plus labor savings plays in. And with our vineyard customers, again, we talk to them about a phased approach. Start using it as a tractor. You'll save some diesel money right away. But get your tractor driver off it for every other operation and start to get comfortable with that and have that tractor driver manage two tractors at the beginning. You're saved on a full tractor driver now, right? And slowly increase that to like five plus tractors. So at two tractor drivers, we're looking at like close to $10,000 of savings, right? If you're running a tractor for like a thousand hours over a full year. It adds up, like diesel plus labor adds up very quickly. I know in Washington, in Oregon, in California, the minimum wages have been mandated now. And when you're making five, 7% on your farm on a good year, and uh, your labor is the biggest expense and labor is increasing at 7%, how the hell are we supposed to make that money back up? So our tractor is a solution for that. And we are hoping that our tractor will bridge that gap. Yeah, and I think obviously seeing it in person is always the proof of the pudding. And um, we will have a tractor to look at. Jim will be there to talk about how he plans on utilizing it in his blueberry operation. And some of the folks from Monarch will be there as well to talk through all of these things and more of your questions. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, pretty exciting. I only have one 
other question. My concern about electric cars in general is I step off the curb and I'm going to get hit by one because they're so quiet. So perhaps you could have like a vintage track. We could listen to a, a John Deere Model <laughs> A from 1936, or if the guy wants the 730 or the 420, you know, you can offer different uh, tractor tracks for him. I think that would be very positive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great feature, right? And, uh, you know, we'll throw it in there just because uh, you asked for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but a, you make a great point, right? The electric car industry has done a lot, but we find it a travesty that you can buy a Tesla car and get a federal tax credit or a state tax credit, but you can't buy an electric tractor and get a similar tax credit, right? Instead, you have to fill out like humongous amounts of documentation. When an electric tractor is equivalent to 14 plus cars worth of emissions, tractors are ready for prime time and should not be you know, treated any less than electric cars. Fantastic and yes, we'll, we'll throw a track in for that. There you go. That's a, that's a fantastic message, Praveen. A, a really, really good point. Uh, something that, you know, frankly, I had overlooked as well. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So I really appreciate that point. Want to thank you again. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And thank you very much for being part of our, our tech symposium and the tech tour. Really looking forward to, to seeing the machine in person. And I'm sure most of our listeners are also anxious to see that as well. So fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Rod and Casey. You bet. We'll have you back. We'll want to follow up. And, you know, I know the tractor tracks is going to be an important connection to make. <laughs> Well, that was another great conversation, Rod. You know, I know we like to end these things with some thoughts about what we heard today. So what are your key takeaways from today's conversation? Well, there are a lot of them. I mean, first and foremost, I think through the conversation, you really do get this very, very strong underlying belief from Praveen and the company that it is a, as he used so many times, grower first organization. Really cool to see that. And, you know, one of my complaints in the Silicon Valley, uh, my son works there. And so I do interact with a few people down there on a regular basis. And one of my complaints in ag tech startups almost always is they don't have anybody from agriculture on their board or things like that. This this company isn't like that. One of the founders is one of the Mandavi family members, big wine family for those that aren't wine people. So they have that kind of input, the, the grower first, the fact that they really tried to design this at the utility level. So they didn't try and make the gold-plated thing and sell it at a million bucks. They're really trying to get that initial input. And the fact that they're in computer code, you'd call it kind of open coding. They're willing to share a lot of their engineering technology with other firms to get the industry as a whole to take up. That's really way forward looking and very cool stuff. Well, and, and I liked Praveen's story. I, I think it was, you know, his family's background in farming too that brings this all the way around. I thought that was a neat connection and kind of previewing what people can expect uh, next week at the Tech Symposium. So I think that's it, Rod. Anything else uh, you'd like to add before we go? No, looking forward to seeing as many people as are comfortable and attending it live and certainly uh, look forward to interacting with our speakers. You know, it looks like a, you're 
team has put together a, a great program and we're excited uh, as chairman of the committee you know it's easy to take ownership to some of it but the reality is you guys and and the staff have put huge amounts of effort into this program and i believe it shows it's really really cool well looking forward to it and of course we wouldn't be here without you rod so i am going to uh look forward to seeing you up there and and that's a wrap for episode 66 so for those of you joining us in salem we'll see you next week if you're not registered we're sold out for the in-person attendance but you should absolutely join us virtually it's a hybrid event and all you need to do is go to blueberryevents.org to register to join us to learn more about companies like monarch as a part of that week so thanks for listening so much we'll be back next week with more innovation collaboration family and hard work right here on the business of blueberries